0: do a quick poll with the men in here to see if you do what I do, so it'll make me feel better if you do. I don't have a chainsaw, and so in my yard, when I'm trying to deal with a small tree or some really thick limb, I use my hedge trimmer. Anybody else do that? Not designed for the task, it shakes me, it doesn't work, it ends up not working, and I don't recommend it. So get the tool that fits the job. But you know, that's how many of us live our lives. We, we live our lives trying to just make it through the week. And we're not, we're not walking with Jesus. We're not focused upon Jesus. We're not depending upon Jesus And it's just not getting the job done, is it? We need the Lord. And here's the good news. Jesus is sufficient to meet your every need. Last week we began a two-part sermon titled... The sufficiency of Christ. And we talked about how Jesus is enough. In Christ, we said last week, we have all we need. Christ is enough. And I want to remind you of that as we continue to work through this sermon. Turn back with me in Colossians chapter 2. Colossians Chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse 6, New Testament book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. When you found your place, I want to ask you this morning if you're physically able to please stand with me in honor of the reading of God's word. Hey, just a quick um, thank you. Thank you for all that have prayed for those in the path of the uh, recent hurricane Idalia. Those that helped send supplies and prayed and checked on uh, folks, as many of you know, uh, my dad and his wife lived there, and, and Claire's parents and other family lived there. Hope Green, our preschool director, her parents and family. Uh, live there in in Perry, which was sort of ground zero for this recent hurricane. So everyone's uh, well. Thank you for your prayers and that we're grateful. And, and God's providing for needs. There's still some electricity that needs to be turned back on. Um, but uh, there are lots of folks. And, and you heard um, Dean this morning talking about send relief. And, and just, just a reminder, when you give to this church, just every undesignated dollar that comes to this church, a portion of that is sent on to the Florida Baptist Convention and the Southern Baptist Convention. And uh, part of that money is used to provide disaster relief. And so I know for a fact right there at First Baptist Perry, the yellow hats, the yellow shirts, the Florida Baptist Disaster Relief, they are there on the ground feeding folks three meals a day and doing other important things, along with some other Christian organizations that are in Perry as well. So I've seen firsthand um, how your giving... really does make a difference. And uh, you should be grateful for that. And uh, um, again, just want to say thank you for for your thoughts, your texts, your calls, your uh, checking on us. We really, really appreciate that. God has been gracious um, through it all. Colossians uh, chapter 6. The Bible says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. You've been saved by Jesus. You received Him as your personal Lord and Savior. Now walk in Him, live according to the way of Jesus. And he says, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elementary spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. In other words, don't be led astray by any teaching that does not focus first and foremost on Jesus. For in him, here's the reason why, in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Jesus is the God-man, the only one who could come to this earth and die a substitutionary death and save sinners like you and me. And he says in verse 10, this is where I want you to focus your, your thoughts this morning. And you have been Filled in Him. You have been filled in Him. Jesus is sufficient to meet every need that you have. You have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. Let's pray together this morning. Father, in this moment, we express our need for you. Lord, we have, we have sung of the glories of the gospel. We've sung of the, the forgiveness, the hope that we have in Jesus. And we are so grateful for the redemptive work of Christ. And I pray, Lord, that as we study your word this morning, you would give us by your spirit, open eyes, understanding to, Lord, to to conceive in a greater way of your sufficiency. I pray that it would make a real practical difference in our lives. So meet with us in this moment. We'll thank you and praise you for that grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. In the church in Colossae, which Paul's writing to in the first century, some teaching had bubbled up that prescribed ways of living the Christian life that really had nothing to do with Jesus. Paul describes these teachings later in chapter 2, sensationalism and asceticism, man-made rules. And Paul says in verse 19, make sure you're not led astray by these teachings. Hold fast to the head. Hold fast... To Jesus, Keep your eyes on Him. Keep your focus on Him. Because, like he says earlier in this passage, we just read it, you are filled in Him. He is an all-sufficient Savior. In Christ, you have all you need. Now last week we began to look at six different areas of sufficiency in Christ. Last week we looked at the first three. It's there in your notes. We learn that he is sufficient for our eternity, that Jesus has done everything necessary through his finished work, his death, his burial, his resurrection to save us. We looked last week at Colossians where it says that he took our certificate of debt and nailed it to his cross. He died for our sins, for our failure, for our rebellion, for our uncleanness. Jesus died for those sins. And we just sang it earlier. My, my sin. Oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin. Not in part, but the whole is nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul. Jesus is sufficient for your eternity But secondly, we said that Jesus is sufficient for your journey and my journey. Jesus saves you to change you. Now that you've received Him, as we just read earlier, so walk in Him. Jesus will transform you from the inside out. He's sufficient for your spiritual journey between your conversion and your graduation to heaven. But third, we said that He is sufficient for your journey. Satisfaction, Jesus gives you strength to be content in whatever circumstance you find yourself in. He's sufficient for your satisfaction. And we said last week, nothing else and no one else will satisfy the deepest needs of your soul. Only Jesus does that. He's sufficient for your satisfaction. But I want to pick up where we left off and look at the fourth reason or the fourth area of the sufficiency of Christ. If you look there in your notes, he is sufficient for your joy. He's sufficient for your joy. I love that phrase in verse 10. It says, you have been filled in him. Filled in him. I don't want you to get the notion from the sermon last week. As we talked about Jesus satisfying your needs and giving you contentment in whatever circumstance. I I don't don't want to give you the notion that Jesus just kind of helps you to eat by in life. He's just kind of barely enough to give you what you need to keep on keeping on. That's not the picture we have of the sufficiency of Christ. Jesus is sufficient not only for your day in, day out endurance... Jesus is sufficient, listen, to give you joy in the day-in, day-out realities of life. Or let me say it like this. A relationship with Jesus fills you to overflowing. Now I want to show you this. Turn over to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. The famous abiding chapter. John chapter 15. Fifteen, where Jesus talks about the reality that we as branches are called to to cling to the true vine. We're called to stay close to Jesus. And as we stay close to Jesus, abiding in a relationship with Him, He begins to bear fruit through our lives. He even says in verse 5, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Stay close to me. I'll bear fruit through you. But look what He says in John 15 verse 11. One of the the effects of abiding in Christ. Jesus says, and this is one of those verses you can just kind of read over it and speed through it and you don't stop to think about the import for your life. But look what he says. He says, these things I've spoken to you. The, The context here is I've taught you that you need to abide. You need to stay close to me. These things I've spoken to you that my joy, the joy that Jesus has had for all of eternity in His perfect, unbroken communion with the Father and the Spirit, His joy, my joy may be in you. Jesus says, I have lived in perfect, unbroken joy for all of eternity from eternity past, and now I want to take the joy of that perfect communion with God in the triune Godhead, and I want to to give you that joy. And then look at the next phrase. So that your joy may be full. Jesus wants more. Listen, Jesus wants more for your life than just getting by. Jesus wants more for your life than just kind of eking through a weekly existence. Jesus is for your joy, He wants to fill you up to overflowing and live with a joy that is not contingent upon or based upon the circumstances you find yourself in. Jesus wants to give you a joy that is greater than your circumstances. And it's available. And Jesus says, I'm sufficient. If you'll abide in me, if you'll stay close to me, I will fill you to overflowing with my joy, perfect joy that comes from unbroken communion with God. He is sufficient for your joy. Now joy can be tricky to define. There's a lot of different definitions and ideas about what joy is, what the emotion of joy consists of. But, but here's, my, uh, here's my thought. You know it if you got it. And you know it if you don't. Amen? So the question is this. Are you living, in your relationship with Jesus, are you living with a fullness of joy? Now, I didn't say life was easy. I didn't say that there aren't hard times and difficult things that you're dealing with. Of course there are. We'll talk about that some more in a moment. But the reality is, if you abide in Christ, if you stay close to Him, He will fill you up with joy that overflows. And here's what that means. It means that if you have that kind of joy, people around you will be able to see it. You can't contain, you can't contain, you can't keep it on the inside. It's, it's overflowing. So listen to me. The people that, that come into contact with you on a daily or a weekly basis, family, coworkers, friends, church members, when they're around you, do they walk away saying, Wow, what joy. What joy. Joy that can only come from Jesus. I believe that, that joy is evangelistic. That, that when people see us staying close to Jesus and our lives are overflowing with joy, they begin to say, man, there's some, I can't put my finger on it, but there's something different about them. And Boy, I sure would like to have their perspective and their peace and their joy as I walk through my life. Joy can be evangelistic. Over in First Corinthians 14, the gathered worship of God's people can be evangelistic. People walk in and they see people singing and worshiping and fearing God, and they say, "Wow, there's something about this gathering, this assembly." And they fall down and begin to worship God themselves as they see a joyous, celebratory, overflowing people. So I want you to understand that When I talk about the sufficiency of Christ, I don't mean that he's just enough to get you by. What I mean is, Jesus will fill you to overflowing. And and if you don't have that kind of joy in your life right now, you need to run to the true vine. And cling to him and abide in him and put your eyes upon him and let him produce that joy in your life. Don't, don't leave today saying, okay, Pastor Wade, I'm gonna be more joyful. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that Jesus will give you that joy if you stay close to him. Amen? So he is sufficient for your joy. You've heard me talk about my Sunday school teacher growing up, Miss Helen Pitts, and the impact she was on my life. We had a small church, small number of kids, and she would move up with us every year. She would, she would promote with us and teach us. And she's the first person I heard about the armor of God and putting on the full armor of God and... and um, she was, so, she was a person of great serenity. She didn't have much about worldly standards. She was a widow, a long-time widow. And, and there was a serenity, a joy that just bubbled up in her life. In fact, I remember um, a sickness that she dealt with right before she died. She had a degenerative lung disease. I'd come back in town from college, and my pastor said, Do you want to go see Miss Pitts? I said, Well, I do. Now, I, I was young. I'd never really made any kind of visits like that. And so we walked into her home, and she was in a, a hospice bed. And, and uh, she had oxygen on, and she couldn't sit up, and she could barely talk. But you know what I saw in that hospital bed? I saw joy. that was so much greater than the circumstance she was in. And I walked in, and instead of talking about her, she immediately being asked about me, how college was going, how things were, and checking on me. And, and, and she talked about knowing that she was about to meet her master and her Savior. And even in a hospice bed, there was an overflowing joy. Why? Because she just abided in Christ. And that's the kind of overflowing reality that God wants you to have in your life. A joy that is greater than circumstances. Number five, he's sufficient for your joy. He is sufficient in tragedy. And that's important because life happens, right? He's sufficient in tragedy. Turn over to Hebrews, chapter four. Now I'll have you flipping around a lot, which is a little bit different than usual, but turn over to Hebrews four with me. I want to show you a couple of verses here that are so important in thinking about the sufficiency of Christ. Hebrews chapter four. Verse 14. What a great passage. So since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. He's speaking here of the high priestly role of Christ who, who represents us before the Father, who died for our sins to reconcile us to God. He's our high priest, our mediator, our advocate. And, and here's the reality. Your advocate with the Father, your great high priest who died for your sins is with you even in tragedy. And He does two things for you in tragedy. First of all, He cares. Look at the next verse. It says, we, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. In other words... Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, left the splendor and glory of heaven and took on humanity in the womb of the Virgin Mary. So when he was born of Mary, he was born the God-man. Fully God, truly God, fully man, truly man. The God-man. The fullness of God in bodily form, like it says in Colossians 2 verse 9. And here's what that means for you and for me. It means that Jesus gets it. He understands what it's like to live in human flesh. He understands temptation. He was tempted as we are, yet without sin. He understands troubles and trials and Weaknesses. It says over in Isaiah 53 that Jesus was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He experienced physical suffering, he experienced betrayal, he experienced denial, he experienced abandonment. Jesus knows what it is. He knows what it's like to go through difficult times. Jesus cares. And sometimes it's important just to remind yourself that that whatever you're going through, Jesus cares. There's an old hymn that says, No one ever cared for me like Jesus. And that's true. No one cares for you more than Jesus does. No one's more concerned for your life than Jesus is. Nobody gets it to a greater degree than Jesus does. Jesus cares. And listen, maybe God brought you to church this morning. Just so you could be reminded that Jesus cares for you. In the midst of what you're going through, Jesus cares for you. We don't have a high priest who is distant, unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We have a high priest who took on humanity and knows what it means to walk through sorrow. Jesus cares. He's a sympathetic, empathetic Savior. But here's the next thing I want you to see about him being sufficient in tragedy. Jesus is there to help. Not only does he care, he wants to help you. Look at the next verse in Hebrews 4. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Jesus, as our high priest, came before the Father with his shed blood meaning that our sins have been washed away, meaning now we have access to God. Therefore, because He has paved the way, because He's made a way, let us come with confidence. Where? To the throne of grace, the presence of God. To do what? That we may receive mercy and find grace to, what's the next word? Help in time of need. In other words, Jesus is sufficient in that when you find yourselves going through tragedy. He's made a way for you to come to the throne of grace. And lay your concerns and your burdens and your fears and your hurts and your brokenness before God. And it says there that when you do that, you will receive Help in times of need. Have you ever been in a situation in life, by show of hands, you ever been in a situation in life where you needed some help? Raise your hand. Yeah. All of us. And through Christ, if you know Jesus, you can go directly to the throne and get help from Him. Early on in our marriage, Claire and I were... We're married, and we moved off to, to uh, the Memphis area to go to school. and Claire was pharmacy school, I was in seminary, and and busy, busy newlyweds, and trying to figure all that out. And uh, it was wonderful, but we were trying to figure all that out, and and um, and then we we got some news about a health scare, a health concern, and and it kind of just it kind of just. It, it, We were young, and it just kind of floored us. Like we weren't expecting to have to deal with that, and and we're trying to kind of find our bearings in the midst of all that. And and I'll never forget as that was all going on. I went to my computer one day to check my email. I turned my computer on, and I had an email from my brother. And all it said, all it said was Hebrews four sixteen. And I went and looked it up and read this. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And that verse ministered to us and God brought us through. Jesus cares and Jesus is there to help. He's there to help. He's sufficient in tragedy. Now let me just say this by way of practical application. When you find yourself going through deep water, by all means, call a trusted friend, a family member. Let them get under that burden with you. Let them help you and walk with you through that. But can I just remind you that when you're going through something hard, the first person you ought to go to is Jesus. He cares for you, and He is there to help. And so we've said together that Jesus is sufficient for our eternity, for our journey, our satisfaction, our joy. He's sufficient in tragedy, but sixth and last. And this is where I really wanted you to focus your thoughts for a moment. He is sufficient daily. He's sufficient daily. You know, what really got me thinking about the sufficiency of Christ and led me to preach this sermon is the sermon I preached on Wednesday night a few weeks ago from from Psalm 23. Now, I didn't have time to go there in my study of Psalm 23 or teaching Psalm 23, but I was just really captured by the phrase in verse 1 that says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When Jesus is your shepherd, you will want for nothing that you need. It, just, it caused me to think about the sufficiency of Christ. I began to jot some notes down and it became a sermon, a two-part sermon. But, but part of what I wanted to say to you that I think is so important is this. Jesus is sufficient for, for your daily needs, the daily reality that you find yourself in. Listen to me, if your only interaction with Christ is on Sundays... Man, you're missing it. Because he wants to work and help and minister in you and through you every day of the week. You see, life is lived out daily. Most of life consists of routines and rhythms and ruts. And it is in those daily realities that you need to cling to an all-sufficient Savior. I read a story a few weeks ago. Maybe you saw it. It took place in a little town outside of Beaumont, Texas. It was about a woman that was mowing her lawn. And as she was mowing her lawn, did you see this? As she was mowing her lawn, a snake fell out of the sky and wrapped itself around her arm. And, of course, she began to scream. It tightened around her arm, began to strike at her glasses. Then a hawk, who had apparently dropped the snake, comes to get the snake back. So she's on the mower. This snake is is striking her, and a hawk is trying to grab the snake off of her arm. And she was just crying out, help me, Jesus. That's a good thing to say. I mean, can you imagine? You're just in your front yard and a snake falls out of the sky? Now, hey, look at me, look at me. That don't happen every day. I mean, Jesus is sufficient for days like that. When you're being attacked by a snake and a hawk. But that don't happen every day. Let's be honest, most of life is is pretty mundane, isn't it? In between, the snake's falling out of the sky. I love what Dale Ralph Davis says. This is a comment from Psalm 23 where it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He writes, True, many of us face severe troubles, but much of the Christian life is not lived with soap opera tension, but in the realm of the ordinary and routine. And we simply get Tired. He says, we may not get run over, we simply become run down. We suffer from wear and tear, from spiritual exhaustion. You ever been there? We may not get zapped, we just get sapped. <laughs> and then he writes this. Jesus Christ is the shepherd who is adequate for every day. Who again and again restores my life. And the Christian, I love this, the Christian must learn to walk with Christ here in the daily realm. And here's the question I want to ask you that he writes. Have you learned to enjoy Christ's day-to-day competence? Have you learned to enjoy Christ's day-to-day competence? Do you experience His sufficiency every day? Running errands, dropping kids off, picking kids up, paying bills, going to work, coming back from work, figuring out what you're going to have for supper, figuring out the needs of your kids or how to deal with something in in your home. Have you experienced... The reality of Christ's day-to-day competence. When he is your shepherd, you shall not want. You can experience him every day. And let me give you this very quickly. Here's what Jesus does for you every day in the rhythms, in the routines, and the ruts of life. Number one, he bears us up daily. Psalm 68, 19 says that. He bears us up daily. He, he gets under our load with us and gives us a strength and an endurance we need to keep on keeping on. He bears us up daily. That's what Jesus does. He, he bears you up daily, every day. He prays for us daily. Hebrews seven twenty-five. it says He lives to daily make intercession for us. He's a high priest, a great high priest, who who is our advocate before the Father. And he prays for you. Robert Murray McShane, the great Scottish pastor, said this. He said, if I could hear audibly Jesus praying for me in the next room, I would fear no enemy. Isn't that good? I mean, the Bible says he's praying for us, but we can't hear it. What if you could hear Jesus praying for you? Do you think that would buoy your faith a bit? Of course it would. But he does. He prays for you every single day. He provides for us daily. Oh, I love the Lord's prayer, Sermon on the Mount, model prayer. He taught us to pray, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he says, pray like this, give us this day our daily bread. He provides for us daily. It always reminds me of manna. God gave the, the Hebrew people manna when they were in the wilderness, these, these wafer like, bread like substances. He gave them enough for the day. And then the next day, He'd give them more manna. And the Bible teaches us that Jesus, as our all sufficient daily Savior, will provide for us daily. And then fourth, He walks with us daily. Over in Luke 24, I love the story of the disciples on the road to to Emmaus after the resurrection. Two of the disciples are walking along from Jerusalem to Emmaus about seven miles. They're going back home and they're discussing the events that happened in Jerusalem. They knew that Jesus had died. They heard some, some kind of funny rumors about Jesus not being in the tomb anymore. And they're perplexed. They're trying to figure it out. They're downcast. And then Jesus alive from the dead, comes to walk beside them. And he he veils his appearance. They don't know it's Jesus. And they're walking along the road and trying to figure out the weekend events. And Jesus begins to explain to them how all that happened is a fulfillment of the Old Testament Scriptures It says, he began to teach them from Moses and all the prophets the things concerning himself. He he was teaching them, hey, all of this is a culmination of what God said was coming through his word. They're walking along for miles and miles, and he spends some time with them. They break bread together for a meal, and in the breaking of bread, something something gripped their heart, and they realized it was Jesus. And then Jesus was gone. He left. Dramatically, suddenly, he left. And the two disciples who were walking along that road with Jesus were reflecting on that experience. We were walking along. Jesus was teaching us the Old Testament. And one of them asked this question. Weren't our hearts burning within us when he was walking with us and teaching us his word? Weren't our hearts burning? Burning within us as we walked with Christ. And you think, man, what an experience. These these two guys got to walk on the road with Jesus after the resurrection and hear an extended Bible study about how the Old Testament it points to him. Hey, wouldn't you have loved to have been there for that journey? Hey, look at me. Come in close, come in close. You get the same opportunity every single day. You get to experience what those two disciples experienced every single day. You get to walk with Jesus and talk with Jesus and let Jesus speak into your life through his word. I'm telling you, when you walk every day with Jesus, just like those disciples experienced, your heart will burn within you. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time your heart burned for Jesus? When was the last time your heart was stirred for Christ? When was the last time you had passion that, that filled you to overflowing because of your walk with Him? We have the capability to walk with Jesus every single day because of what He did for us on the cross. He made a way for us to experience a relationship with God. He will be our shepherd. we will invite Him into our life to be our personal Lord and Savior. He walks with us daily. The old hymn, He walks with me, He talks with me, tells me I am His own. Here's the question. If this is available, a daily walk with Christ, why don't you avail yourself to that? Why are you trying to face life in your own strength, in your own wisdom, and just make it to the weekend when this all-sufficient Savior Gives us the opportunity to walk with Him every day. He is sufficient daily. He's sufficient on Sunday. He's sufficient on Monday. He's sufficient on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then the next Sunday, and over and over and over again, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. We think about our need for God when the snakes fall out of the sky, don't we? But that doesn't happen every day. Do you think about your need for God? The daily rhythms, routines. And ruts of life. I hope that you do. So here's the takeaway. As I talk about the sufficiency of Christ. In Christ. You have all you need. Christ is enough. And no one else and nothing else. Is